Hi, I'm Pastor Daniel, and welcome to Edge Church Podcast. To get connected, visit our website, edgechurch.co.za, or send us a WhatsApp on 076-032-3664. Say hi, and we will connect with you. Our full services can be found on our YouTube channel, but enjoy listening to the sermon. Well, we're going to go to God's Word. As you take a seat, say hello to someone, greet them. It is good. We had an incredible first service. We really were such a tangible sense of God's presence and, and Him doing stuff. And, and I'm excited for this, this journey that we find ourselves in and where God has taken it. And what an incredible time in God's presence in worship. Thank you to the many teams that make our experience and how we get to worship so possible from my tech to those. You don't even know that these people sitting upstairs in a little room that's been able to produce all of this. They're making this happen. To all of our volunteers, the ones that are unseen, the ones that we see on stage, thank you, thank you, thank you for the many hands. I believe as we build God's kingdom. But you know, we, we're in our series called The Good Shepherd. And, and we've been unpacking this thing of um, Psalm 23. And, and I don't know about you, but uh, this devotional that we've had, it's incredible. And we got some, we were getting feedback from different people and they were just talking to us and, and sharing just how incredible this devotional has been. Maybe you weren't here last week and you're like, I don't know what this is about. Please, I encourage you. Uh, if there is, I actually don't know if they're still available, but outside, grab one. But it is also online. You can download it on a PDF, but then you can also get it um, via the um, Uversion app, and you can go through this devotional. Unpack it, and I think there's also, there's been an incredible shift because we've been unpacking it on a Sunday, but then also going into it, unpacking what Psalm 23 is. And last week, I, I started us on this journey and started unpacking on this thing of like, the Psalm, when David wrote the Psalm, Maybe our perception and how we saw what it was, maybe last week you started to get a bit of an insight how different to what it really was. You know, the, the tall, knee-high green grass that we so imagine what it was, those lush whales. I can just see the little sheepy and the, the English shepherd. And actually, it was so different. And so we started to unpack that. And, and a big rev- revelation was looking at Psalm 23 was written for the sheep. And so often we can read it and we think it's a shepherd, and, but it actually was written about the sheep. And so we've been going on this journey about the good shepherd. And so today, as we get into God's word straight away, what I'm going to do is that I'm going to take us to week two and to start to unpack verse, five, verse four and verse five of Psalm 23. And so we're going to read it and we're going to read it together. Psalm 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not Want, for he leads me to lay down in green pastures and still waters. He restores my soul and he leads me on paths of righteousness for his namesake. And you know, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me and you prepare a table in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Verse four and five of Psalm 23, it starts with that very famous, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil because you are with me. You know, as I was researching and going through this, I find it so interesting about what is the number one fear that we as humans have. Can anyone guess what it is? The number one fear out there that humans have. Research shows, stats show, the number one fear that we have is death. We fear dying. You see, because it's this kind of thing, and you might be like, no, 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 I completely disagree with you. If you know me, I fear like I had to experience this yesterday at a kiddies party, snakes more than anything else. I don't understand why you have a party where they bring these reptiles and wrap it around you. I don't understand it. And I looked at that and I was like, oh my goodness. Do you know the reality is you actually fear the snake biting you and then dying. So you still fear death. It's like you might say, no, I'm actually more afraid of heights. The fear is falling from the height to your death. We fear death. Because the thing is, we, we don't know 
what actually happens. It's the unknown. You can't go into Google and get a review of someone that wrote, I died, and this is a review of what the experience is like. <laughs> it's the unknown. We don't know what actually happens in that. And so it's something that as we as humans, we fear that. And why I started here is because when you start chapter, uh, verse 4 of Psalm 23, it says, Though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, the shepherd comes and he takes the number one fear that we as humans have. And he says, I've already annihilated it. Because if we as believers, and we hold on, and we are saved, and, and God is, he's our father, he has taken that number one fear of death, and he says, I've already overcome that very fear that you might have. I went to the cross so that you might have life. And you know, this week that just passed was, it really was a heavy week when it came to funerals, and, and I heard Psalm 23 being shared at both funerals, onto Margie's, and then also our late um, national leaders of the Semis of God, Pastor Donovan, we pay tribute to him. And all across, hundreds of people gathered to remember his life. The impact. The impact that he had on for, for many of us that are seated here. For us as a church. The direction. And, and we, we paid tribute and we honored his life. And it was something that had really dawned on me that was said do you know what? As a believer, death, it's merely a transition of changing your address. That Pastor D has changed his address next to Jesus. That's where it is. Went from earth to be with him. And, and that's the thing when it comes to, to death, that it's like, it's that, that unknown that we fear. But then the shepherd comes and we read Psalm 23 and he talks about, even though you walk through the valley, I will be with you, meaning I will protect you. That's the title of my message today. I will protect you. Last week I spoke about how he provides. This week I'm unpacking about how he protects us and I want to share three things of how we see he protects us from verse four and five. Number one, that he is with us in the battle and the valley. You know, I could have just said that he's with us and just left it like that. The shepherd says that he's with us. But there's a reason because we're gonna see now as we go through to verse five and verse six, about, uh, verse four and verse five, about there's a battle that's actually taking place. And how he says that I will be with you. That's why he says that though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me and your rod and your staff they comfort me. Now David, who was a psalmist who wrote these very words, thinking of from the perspective of a sheep, he had a very good understanding of what it was like to be a shepherd in that day and time, an Israeli shepherd. He understood it. Remember last week I started to unpack, and they're going to put the imagery up again on the screen, about the vastness of what it was actually like. So we, we so imagine those green, luscious Scottish meadows that are just the rolling hills, beautiful temperatures. But actual fact, this is what it looked like in Judea. When David was writing from this perspective, these were the very places that he spent his life as a shepherd, but then, and also hiding in these sides of the mountains, trying to escape Saul. And so he has a very good understanding of when he starts to talk about it was not an easy place. There was a lot of dangers that would come their way. A lot of things. There was, there was the very things of flash floods that would take place. They are in all these little valleys and ravines and a flash flood. There would be the avalanches. There would be the movement of rocks that would slide down. And then obviously there was, there was all the predators. There was those things like snakes and all kinds of stuff that was their poisonous plants. And so when he's talking about that, he has a very good understanding and maybe our perspective is we, we keep looking at Psalm 23, it says, though I've walked through the valley of shadow of death, and we just relate it to a funeral. But now if we think of the shepherd, and we have that kind of imagery in mind, what used to happen is that the shepherd, his main thing that he would want to do was to move his sheep from the lower ground further and further up, taking them constantly to the higher ground of the sides of the mountain. And there were many reasons why he did that. One of them, why the shepherd would move them, is because he, there was the greener pastures at the top. 
There was more nutrition of those little tufts that you would find there because when the, the, the Mediterranean breeze would flow at night, it would hit high up on the mountains, giving more nutrition. Not only that, is that they would move because there would be more options of, of water sources that would gather. And so he'd be able to give to his sheep along the way. But also he would move his sheep up the mountainsides for more protection. And you think, that's weird. Like, why would you move further up for more protection? Because the, the predators, and, and we know what David talks about. He says how he killed the lion and how he killed a bear and all that kind of stuff that was there. The predators would have a greater advantage point when they were creeped up, hiding in the crevices of that mountain, looking down on the flock of sheep. And they would be unaware of actually what was surrounding them. So the shepherd would constantly be saying, no, 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 we need to move up this mountain for many various reasons for protection. And so every shepherd knew that every mountain would have its valley. And he knew the best route to get his sheep up that mountain was to take them through the valley to move them up. You see, they couldn't just scale going straight up. It was impossible. So he knew that I need to get them. We would go through the valley. We would move our way up this mountain for a place of safety. So now when we read, it says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you start to get a different perspective of what he was meaning when he takes his sheep. And as I read that and I was thinking about this thing of all the different dangers that we face, I thought, how applicable is that to you and I? You see, because everyone that's seated here, everyone that's online that's watching the service, we all have a battle and a valley that we are experiencing. If you haven't, I'm sorry to Bishop Powell, but you're going to. I'm not the bearer of bad news, but that's life. All of us are facing different battles. Every one of us are facing different valleys that we experience right now. And can I tell you, we might all have a different situation, a different scenario that's in front of us. But there's one thing as a believer that I know that I believe we all should have is to know and say, I desperately need my shepherd to be right beside me when I'm in this very valley and battle that I'm facing. And this is what I want us to hear, that your God is not standing on the sideline like this little nice cheerleader going pom-pom saying, come on, you can do it as you go through the valley. You can do it as that snake's coming to you. You can do it. I'm with you. I'm standing on the sidelines cheering you on. No. He's right beside you in that very place that you find yourself. That the shepherd is, he's with us. And, and, and maybe you're like, okay, he's with us. And I'm going to explain to you how he is with you and I always. That although he's seated at the right hand of our father, he's still with you and I in the very battles and the valleys that we're experiencing. And you're thinking, but how? If he's there, is he also here with me? Because right now, as even as we sit in the service, that at the right hand of the Father, Jesus is interceding for you and I. Meaning he's praying intentionally for you. Not I pray for this congregation. For you right now, Sean, he intercedes for you. Robin, he intercedes right for you. By name, that's what Jesus does. That he's at the right hand interceding, but he's also right beside you. You think, but how, how is he like that? John 14 starts to unpack this. And, and maybe it's a theology that you haven't even grasped fully yet. But right before Jesus leaves, he looks at his disciples in Matthew 28, in verse 20, and he says these things to his disciples, and be sure of this, like, guys, listen to me, be sure of this. I'm always with you, even to the end of age. And then, ah, he goes off to heaven. (laughs) Now, I read that, and I go, um, hello, you just said you're always with me, and now you just ascend up. And I could just see these clouds that take him up like that. And the angels are all declaring at their trumpets as he goes up. How is he always with us? But if he's gone to be with his father. We see it in John 14, verse 16 to 18, and it unpacks. And this is where I want us to understand it. He says, I will ask the father, and he will give you an advocate who will never leave you. Who is he? He is the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. And the world cannot 
recognize him because they don't know, I don't know where I am, the world cannot receive him because he isn't looking for him and they don't recognize him. And how beautiful is this truth? But you know why. Because he lives with you now and look here, and I will be in you. Verse 18, no, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. So he's at the right hand of our Father interceding for us, but he says that I'm right beside you. And this is what we need to understand theologically. He is God is one. Deuteronomy 6 verse 8, he says, Hear me, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. So, so this means there's only one true God. There's one God. But then we have the triune. We talk about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But there's still one God, and he's these, these three that we talk about. But take note, it says, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's one God, and but we have the triune. Why? Because that was the promise that he said that I might be at the right hand, but I've given you my spirit, the Holy Spirit, to advocate for you. Hello, in this day and age that we live in, when you say one thing wrong and then everyone goes, you need an advocate all the time with you. And he says, I have come to be with you. Every day I have come to be right beside you. And so sometimes we can perceive the Holy Spirit as that it's an encounter moment. Yes, we all encounter the Holy Spirit on the day of salvation. But the everyday baptism the everyday filling of the Holy Spirit, we sometimes can perceive it as, as, as just this holy moment that needs to take place. I need to have someone on keys for it to happen. I need to have a pastor here who's got oil that's gonna lay hands on me and shakanana, all these things are gonna happen and then the Holy Spirit will come. Yes, that does happen in a moment like that and it's powerful. But what we just read now, he says that I am always with you and that we have access to the Holy Spirit every moment and every single day. That he will never leave you nor forsake you. And I found this so interesting when I was looking about the shepherd of Israel and we, how that would work is that every time that the shepherd would move, he would lead his sheep up front and you're gonna see this. He would be up front leading his sheep but as the nighttime came, as they started to proceed into the valley, look what happens. The shepherd reverts backwards to go, instead of leading from the front, he moves further and further so that the sheep surround him. But the moment when there's the darkness and they hit the valleys where the light is not necessarily shining in, he moves closer backwards with his sheep. Now I know I do, when I saw that I had goosebumps because I went to this imagery and I work like that with my imagination. I'm going, that's exactly what he's doing. That he says that I will be with you when the darkness and the valleys and the battles of life, every moment of your life, I will be with you, I will, and you will, I'll be surrounded, and you will be close to me. He's with us. And then it speaks about, in the rest of that verse, verse four, it says about how the rod and the staff, they comfort me. I thought it was interesting, why does it say that his rod and his staff would comfort me. Like, why doesn't it say it differently? Why would it say it comforts me? I think it's simple. Because the shepherd would never hit his own sheep with his rod or staff. You see, I never said to my parents, when they said to me, go to your room, and I'm coming now. Do you know that moment? Those like one minute when that thing, and you can hear the drawers shuffling for this food. <laughs> You're putting as many underpants as you can on in that very moment. I'm telling you now, when they come in, I don't say to them, the spoon comforts me in this moment. <laughs> Never. <laughs> you are just putting on many pants, whatever you can find on over. What's my point? Is that because sometimes we can understand this and we can read this, you'll run and stuff, they come for me, but, but our view of God, we can see him as someone as this tyrant, as this disciplinarian, as this angry God that you keep thinking, this is the reason why my life is like this, because he keeps punishing me. 
And we create these weird little thoughts and things in our mind of I mustn't say this or mustn't do that because, oh, my word, he's going to spite me. And I'm my word, I'm going to burn the moment I walk into a church or if I do this. And we have this view and why I've been pushing this thing for weeks now. How do you see God? Because the way you see him will determine and shape the kind of relationship we have with him. And so if we view God as someone who is this disciplinary, angry old man that's disciplining us with this rod, it will shape our relationship and the way in which we come to him. Because I never said that wooden spoon gave me comfort. And I think maybe when you hear that, and you go through that, and maybe your understanding has been that. The first thing you think about the rod and the staff, you go, it's, it's, it's to do this, and it's to protect, and, and yes, it is. Can I tell you what the rod would do? That kopkiri, that thing would beat any predator or anything that would come close to you. That's what the shepherd would use that for. He would use that to protect. David spoke about how he took out lions, how he took out bears. I can tell you now, I do not want a cop kitty with a bear coming towards me. I want something else in that moment. <laughs> but he would use that rod for protection. The moment an enemy or predator comes, he would whack that thing with that rod. And that rod would often, it was a symbolization of the shepherd's strength, of the right hand of the shepherd. It would symbolize his authority that we would have. But then also the rod, he would come. And it was interesting what they would do with the rod is that the shepherd would, because you know fleece, um, fleece, sheep are so, they, their wool is so thick, they fleece. It's very hard to actually see what's going underneath. Now I always just see sheep as this, like fluffy cotton balls and they're just so cute because that's all that we watch and that on TV with Rachel. But yo, those things are dirty. Especially the sheep of like, they're not in the green pastures. They are dust and dirt. And so what would happen is that the shepherd, he wouldn't necessarily be able to just see and look at his sheep and go, okay, this and this. So he would take his rod and he would go and he would part the sheep's fleece. He would move to the side. And then skillfully, he would take his hand and he would run it across the sheep, looking for any scabs, parasites, looking for wounds on them. It was something that was broken. There was stuck, a, a little stone stuck in their, in their hoof. And he would examine his sheep like that. I read Psalm 139 very differently after with that image. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's anything offensive weighing me and lead me in the way everlasting. The shepherd, he comes with his rod and he examines us. If our hearts are surrendered, I believe that's exactly what our shepherd wants to do to us. You see, because we can sometimes view is that he's the one, and yes, we do read in scripture about how he disciplines his children in love. But I want us to have this perspective because sometimes we can revert to it's just the rod of beating. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And the staff had very strong symbolic features as well. The staff would represent, and scripturally it represented, it was symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And this is what happened, is that the Holy Spirit would bring comfort, and I, and I just started to unpack that about the advocate that we have. But the moment the, the shepherd was leading his sheep, he would take his staff, and he would guide them. When you could see that some of the sheepies, they were going now, of course, he would literally take it and he would go on the side and he would just push them, nudge them on the side. Sometimes poke them and say, hello, keep moving this way. He would take the hook of his staff and he would go, come here. <laughs> Ruck you right to him. But he never beat. He would use the staff to guide, to guide his sheep. Even when there was a little newborn lamb that was born. If a newborn lamb was born and it was separated from the mother, do you know that the shepherd would take the other side of, of his staff, the hook, and he would pick up the little lamb, take it back to the mother, and put it down. Do you know why he used his staff? Because he didn't want his scent to taint the little lamb so that there would be a separation from the mother when he gave it back. Why am I telling you this? I'm not trying to make farmers of all of us for one day at the end of this. 
Because I want us to have this image that we can see the shepherd of, of how he cares and protects you and I. That where you find yourself right now, and you're thinking, I don't know what tomorrow even holds. Whether I have work, how I'm going to do this. There's a shepherd that says, I am protecting you. I'm guiding you with my staff. I'm protecting you with my rod. So he's with us in the battles, number one. Number two, he blesses us in those very valleys and battles that we find ourselves you think, why? Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Why would the shepherd, why would it be written to say that he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies? Can I tell you why? Because he's not afraid of any kind of demons. He's not afraid of the devil. He's not afraid of what's going to happen. And ultimately, he's saying, I am in control. Meaning, I know what's going to happen. He's not looking at your life and going, oh my goodness, how am I going to sort this problem out for this child of mine? Oh my flip, I don't know how I'm going to save this child. He's not doing that. He knows what battle you are in right now. He knows exactly what you're experiencing. And he says, I prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Meaning... This is why I said, if you're not going through the valley, I'm sorry, it's going to happen. Meaning that there will always be those very battles and valleys that we experience in life. And I, I want you to think of the most epic battle scene you have seen on a movie or something like that. Think about it. Pull it to mind. You think like, yes, whether it's Braveheart or 300 or something else that you can think of. In the middle of that battle scene, this is exactly what Jesus does. He comes, puts a table with a white cloth, some flowers, and he goes, come, sit at the table. Yes, they're right around you. I'm fully aware of that. But come and sit at the table. Why? Because he's already won this battle. Church, please hear me. He's already won the very battles and the valleys that you're in right now. He says, I have gone before you and I've examined, I've gone, I know how it ends. I know where it's going. So when you are stressing and you're going, I can't, I can't. He said, just come sit here. Come have a nice meal with me. See, so often we are not seated there. And sometimes I think that's why for many of us, Fear grips us so much because we find ourselves too many times there with the troops. We're trying to fight this very thing ourselves instead of sitting at the very table that he says, I prepared for you. Come sit with me. And we find ourselves, we're going to fix it. We're going to control it. We're going to sort out the problem. And you're like, but that's what I do. As a mother, that's my full-time job. I need to fix everyone. And we're trying to do this, and we're trying to do that, and we're trying to care for this person and and fix this situation with this child and sort out this job, and I'm trying to sort out this relationship. And you're trying in all your efforts, instead of just saying, I'm going to sit at the table and have a good steak there with Jesus. Because the battle is already won by him. So how do you stay seated at that table? Just two things, short things. Is that there needs to be the personal worship that keeps us at the table. What does that mean? Matthew 6, 6. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. When you go away and you say, God, I can't deal with this very thing anymore. I cannot fix it. I don't know how to feel. I don't know how to even process these very emotions. And you say, God, I'm coming to you. I'm closing the door. How do I fight this battle? When I'm on my knees with my hands lifted up, the war room is when you're in prayer with him. That's how you stay at the table, in your private space. You have to have that in your private space. If you're relying it just on the public space, that once-off thing on a Sunday, it's not going to sustain you. You see, because our public worship, so we have the private and the public worship, is when what we get to do here, when we gather together, When we come into the space and we come in, and can I tell you, there's something that supernatural happens. Listen to what David says in Psalm 73. He says, truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. 
For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. Now, I can relate to that so much. And I look at someone thinking, how are you still prospering? How can you still have this? How do you get that new car? And how can you get that promotion? And, and just look, I've been saving and serving you, Jesus. But look at this one. Yeah, so Is it only me that sometimes gets like that? So look what it says. So I try to understand why the wicked prosper, but what a difficult task it is. And then verse 17, and this is key. Then I entered into your sanctuary. I entered into this place, the temple. And oh God, I finally understood. There's something that happens when we enter into the sanctuary, when we corporately gather together. That's why he says that where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst, meaning that something happens. And it was a prime example again. When we were in worship, there was something that happened in his presence. There was a tangible thing that happened. And I, I spoke about the, that still waters last week, about the still waters and the green pastures, about being in his presence corporately together, a public gathering, and then also being in the word together. There's something that happens. Please hear me. I am not, I, I think there were some things that were really good in COVID. It brought us to a place where I'm so grateful that we have online, so please hear what I'm saying. I'm so grateful that we have online services. Those are on with us now. But I think maybe, just maybe, we've become a bit lazy when it comes to actually doing the public worship together. It's easier to just stay in my pajamas. It's easier to just do this. And we can come with reasons, and and I'm not not even going to go into that whole thing. The Holy Spirit will do that convicting inside. But there's an importance of doing the public gathering together. What happens to the sheep that are on the outline, the outskirts of a flock? They're the first ones that the predator will come and snatch, the first ones that will go. And I think for some of us, we need to be as bold and daring and saying, like even with our public worship and coming and saying, no, 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 hold on. Excuse me, excuse me, push, 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 push that one, push that sheep out of the way and say, I need to be right here next to Jesus, my shepherd. I can't be taken out and I need this. It's a public gathering. So he's with us in the battles, number one. He blesses us where we find ourselves in the battles and the valleys. But number three, he refreshes us in the battles and the valley. Because if you look at verse five, the last, and verse five is the last one I'm gonna unpack today. It says, you anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. You know, for a shepherd, the terminology for summertime and for when summer was approaching, they would use this terminology of summertime is fly time. Now, I think we can relate to that, the amount of flies that are around us at the moment. Oh my goodness. It's unbearable. And there's something that happens. In the heat and when the, it comes from spring into summer, all those little eggs and larvae and all the hooters, they just start popping and hatching and things flying around and everything like that. You know when the cockroaches come out, you know when it's December time. <laughs> they start moving around again. But it was a serious problem for a shepherd when it happened with the flies. Serious problem. Because what we would, they were known as what was a nasal and a nose fly that would actually go and it would bury, go up the sheep's nasal passage, up its head, bury inside its flesh, and then irritate and aggravate the sheep to such a bad extent. Have you ever seen, when you've seen some of that footage where you see a sheep like eating its head and knocking its head on that, it's not because they want a head scratch. And so they're trying to stop, where they find anything, a post or a tree, they're trying to stop the irritation of the flies that are stuck inside their nasal passages. In some extreme cases, they've even reported how a sheep would run so hard and back itself and hit a wall or a thing that it would actually kill itself. Because of the turmoil that it found itself in. And then what would happen is that the shepherd would look and say, I have an antidote for you. And he would put together this home remedy of linseed oil, sulfur, and tar. And he would take his sheep and he'd put it between his legs and he would pour oil on top of their head. And that oil would run over their whole face, covering their nasal passage to help alleviate it. And what they say is that immediately, literally, there's a dramatic change that would happen. That once the oil's upon that sheep's head and over their nose, that their behavior would change. 
There would be less of a frenzy of agitation and irritation that would take place. And they would see the sheep would start eating again greater. And they would actually lay down in, in peace again. You know that oil? We talk about the oil in scripture and theology. It's a representation of the Holy Spirit. And the effect of the Holy Spirit is refreshing and strength. And our good shepherd wants to come and anoint your heads so that there's refreshing and that there's strength. Because when I read that and I was thinking of these sheep and I was even watching a video of a sheep eating its head against a tree stump. I was like, oh, this sheep, you know, so typical. And then I was thinking about myself and going, oh my gosh, I can relate so well to this. When I'm so irritable, um, uh, there's such a busyness and chaos going on inside around me and it's like, I can't control this. I can't do this. And there's this overwhelming sense of, of it just, there's just so much going on. I can't fix this thing that I also want to get to a place where I want to hit my head against something. And yet daily, the shepherd says to us, let me anoint your head with oil so that I can also bring that immediate change where there's a calmness. I'm not saying that I'm going to fix everything. The flies are still around you. But I'm going to bring refreshing and strength upon you. And just like the shepherd, he didn't just do it once off. Constantly, he would have to apply more oil upon their heads. It's not a once-off thing. It's a daily thing that we need the Holy Spirit to anoint our heads, to go face the day, to face this meeting, to face this difficult conversation and meeting or this work thing, to face what's happening in my family. It's daily I need His Spirit for refreshing and strength. And then it says the last part, my cup runs over. And I thought this was so beautiful because often there was barely any water and the shepherd would come and when he would find a well, he would take out of the water and you would see around those wells there would be these stone troughs. And he would take the water out and he would keep pouring it into these troughs, these stone troughs, until he would just keep doing it. And the sheep would just come and he would just keep going, taking a bucket and throwing it. And those things would overflow with water. Church, please hear me. Our shepherd doesn't give us a little sippy cup with a little bit of water when you're in the valley in the battle of your life. He says, I'm going to make it overflow because with me, there's so much. My supply is, is, is limitless. I, I don't just do a ration here, okay, because you were like this, so I'm going to give you that little bit. Okay, because you did this, and I'm going to give you. No, it doesn't work like that. He's saying, I'm, I'm there. My cup runs over. I'm going to give you everything you need, but will you come and drink from the water? He's not holding back anything. So I want us to imagine the shepherd. And as I close, I'm going to invite the team to come up as well. So for some of us, and I say some of us, and I'm pointing all my fingers back at me. Is that sometimes I get confused of who's the shepherd and who's the sheep. And I feel like I need to be able to provide. I need to be able to protect. Can, can I just remind us again and I remind myself? We are sheep. We are sheep. And I believe, and, and, and especially for men, when you constantly want to provide and I need you to, you're, you're a sheep. You have a shepherd who says, I will supply. And sometimes we're like, I need to fix it. I need to do this. I need to provide. I need to protect. I need to do, I don't know, and we can go on and on. He's the shepherd. You know, even for me as a pastor, like, there's no ways. As uh, much as I'd love to, I cannot to protect and provide for everyone. I can't. So yes, I am a shepherd in this right but I'm not the shepherd. He's the one that provides and protects to you. Personally, 2019, I, 
I truly experienced the Good Shepherd more than I, I ever have. In that valley, 2019 was my hardest year. Health-wise, hospital, after that, the recovery for months, the mental space that I found myself in, the, the sense of just have lost, I lost, I felt like I'd lost something. But can I tell you that in the darkest valley and the darkest moments, that darkest time even in ICU, I experienced the Good Shepherd who moved back just like that imagery. Moved back closer and closer and said, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. And he went, Dan, I'm right here. My staff is alongside you. Stay with me. I'm right here beside you. I don't know whether it's a family situation, a health situation, finances. I don't know, I don't know what your situation necessarily is. But our shepherd draws close to you in your battle. He's with you. He blesses you. He desires to refresh and to strengthen you. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of us here. And I want you to ask this question, you're thinking, I, I don't even understand what you're saying, Dan. What's coming to your mind now in this service? What areas are prompting? And you can feel, maybe it's emotions or just a sense of like, oh God, what is that? Because I believe that he wants to come, your shepherd, and he wants to pour oil upon your head. I believe that's what he wants to do right now with us in this moment. He's saying, I, I, I will look after your brokenness. I'll look after you, can, but can, will you allow me to pour the oil? And will you receive it? And so that's what I want us to do in this moment. I want to encourage us to, if you can put everything down, I want you to put it down, if you will stand with me and just stay in this atmosphere. You can put everything down and then stand with me. And there's a reason why I want us to stand, to change our posture. I ask him to turn the lights off and I want us just in this moment, I believe God wants to do business with you. Not the person next to you, not your family member and you're thinking this one, that one, with you. So in this space, I encourage you to just close your eyes. shepherd's here today and he wants to anoint your head with oil there's a, there's a holy moment, there's an altar that he's saying allow me to pour my spirit upon you you don't need to wait for a special moment, you don't even need someone to come stand there to lay their hands on you, you don't need oil you don't, you don't need any of that for them to do that, you can experience it right now and, and I want you to experience it often we will stand with our hands lifted. You've heard me say this so many times, just in surrender. Um, and if your prayer is to, to have that anointing oil upon your head, I encourage you, just lift your hands up. It's a Holy Spirit, here I am. Don't worry about anyone around you right now. You're saying, I need His Spirit to fill me. I need the, the cup of oil. I need my cup to overflow. I need Him. I'm desperate for Him. Ezekiel 34 says, and he prophesied this. I myself will be a shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make sure you get plenty of rest. Maybe you're so tired because you're trying to do everything in your own strength. I myself will go after the lost. I will collect the strays. I will doctor the injured. I will build up the weak ones because you are my dear flock, the flock of my pasture, my human flock, and I am your God, your shepherd.
So in this space, as we worship now, no one's going to lay hands or anything. Allow him to anoint your head. Open, open your heart to him and allow him to do the work that he needs to do in some of your lives. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move right now. Go around as a shepherd and pour oil upon heads of people who are saying, I don't know how to do this tomorrow. I don't know how to fix this. Right now, pour your oil of anointing. As we come to you, we run to you, our Father. I've carried a burden for too long on my own. I wasn't created to bear it alone. I hear your invitation to let it all go.
Good Shepherd, daily you come in and you anoint our heads. And so God, we run to you. We don't need a, a special moment or service to be able to receive. We don't even need anyone to lay hands on us. Because you are shepherd. Says, I will anoint your head. Your cup will run over. I prepare a table for you in the battle of the enemies around you. I am with you. For my rod and my staff, they comfort you. Thank you for being that shepherd to us. And that truth of that you will leave the 99 just for the one. That your promise said that I will leave to the ones that have gone astray. And I believe there's some that have gone astray. And this morning your shepherd calls you home. And maybe you've never made that decision to follow Jesus. Or truly if you reflect, you're saying, I'm not in that pack with my shepherd leading me. Today he says, come on my child. And I believe he's literally taking his staff and he's saying, come, I'm pulling you back to me. And you can feel it. You can feel it online. You can feel it here. So right now where you are, if you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, I want you to say this prayer with me. Jesus, today I'm coming back to you. I was lost, but I'm coming home to you. Thank you that you're my good shepherd and that you desire for me to be with you. I repent of how I've been living, but I turn to you from this day forward. And I say it in your own words. You personally said, I follow you or I choose you. I'm coming over, whatever you said. God, I thank you that we can run to our Father, that we find all I need. And thank you that you celebrate in heaven your grace, your goodness, and all God's people said together, amen. Come on, we're celebrating God's goodness.